0: thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: Verse 8, for we do not want you to be ignorant. I always love to note all those that Paul writes. We don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be unaware of this, because man, when he says that, that means he doesn't want you to be unaware of something. And I believe God's Spirit has chosen to leave that kind of thing in there for a very important reason, so that we're not ignorant. We're not unaware. We're not uninformed about what God would have us to know in a situation. We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, there are a few things. Paul in Asia faced a couple of different problems, <laughs> several uh, potential uh, dismemberment by lions. That was one of the things that uh, affected him potentially. I believe there's several things that it could, it could be, but I likely think I, I just I personally likely think that Acts 19, verse 21 through 41, those 20 verses in there or so, really give you the idea of what probably was going on, and that was the, the situation that happened there with the coppersmith. There, where the whole city went out into a riot, and there became the huge conflict, a huge conflict, an enormous conflict between the goddess Diana of the Ephesians. They were man. That was their identity. They were the that was that was on their hulls of their ships on the front of them. Man, they had the, the 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 goddess Diana. They, they had all, little necklaces made with the goddess Diana. They had things like this, just that, that they, little trinkets and stuff that they made. And they made a lot of, this coppersmith made a lot of money off of selling these little things. Now, Paul comes into town, people start getting saved, no more interested in the trinkets. You know, this is an example for us when you read that chapter there, chapter 19, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after of Acts you can really learn something about society and how society's really transformed. I like the word transformed better than reformed. The transformation that takes place happens from inside. And you can read about this throughout the Welsh revival, throughout all the UK during that time period, and throughout history of the church and in Acts 2000 years ago and from then on subsequently you find the same pattern to be true if you and i want to see our world our society our place changed if we really want to see change happen one it's got to happen inside of us first first off absolutely we have to know the transforming power the changing power of god in our lives paul brought that information with them I once was and now am. That's the way Paul presented the gospel. I once was, but now am. A a complete different person than what he once was. A change of life, a change of heart. Repentance. Turning not only away from. Repentance is an interesting word. We just use, yeah, you got to repent of that. So you just turn away from it. And just don't do that anymore. Yes and no. It's, it is that simple, but it's a little bit more. There's a, just a one more piece to that. Turn away from and go toward. So, not only are you turning away from something, but you're moving toward another direction. So, I've turned away from that and I'm going this way now. I, I, it's a complete change of life, a change of, of thought, a change of actions. My, my heart, my life is impacted. We want to see our world change around us. Do you realize they didn't go picket pubs in the Welsh Revival? It was published regularly in the newspaper. Salvation, 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 salvation. Great revival broke loose during the Welsh Revival. Radical, radical things took place. But they never went and picketed a pub. They didn't drag the hookers up front and say, oh, she was a hooker, you know, what are we gonna do with her, you know? They didn't do anything like that. The idea is that God was changing people's lives through salvation, the newness of life, literally being what we read about in the New Testament as being born again. I know a lot of times Our society grows weary of Christians using the term born again. But it's a biblical term. It's a term that Jesus used. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Not if Jesus used the term. I'm okay with it. Because that's truly what happened. A spiritual rebirth. Born again to the newness of life. A changed life. A repentant life where they turned away from something. Sin life of sin, and move toward God. Do you know what happened during the Welsh Revival? People just stopped going to the pubs. And the pubs just eventually locked up their doors because there was no business. I'm all for... uh, you know, awareness of what's happening around us. I'm all for being clear about, you know, hey, that's this is this is not biblical or this is unhealthy. But man, I still believe it's a matter of the heart. And this is what Paul is so clearly talking about every time he gets to these things. You want to see something radically change. This was the big issue that happened in Acts 19. Was the whole issue that took place was because the coppersmith was all upset because he wasn't making as much of this, much money. And man, it hurt him. And he was upset about it. And he got the whole city all riled up. They restrained Paul from going into the open theater, there that, well, like a, a small coliseum environment. They restrained him from going into that. He, he wasn't scared of any of it. Man, he was ready to go down and throw down with them about it. He wanted to get right in the mix of it. You see, what I find that's interesting is our world today has pushed us into a corner as Christians, kind of getting us to this spot where, hey, you know, just, just, just don't, it's okay for you. Just don't talk too much about other people. You know, people get offended. You know why? Because the gospel is Offensive. To those who are perishing, it is offensive. It cuts at the flesh and the things that appeal to the flesh. It is an offensive thing. But it's also the hope. It's also where we find life. It's the good news. Double-edged sword. The trouble that came to them. I love the way he describes the trouble that happened to them. So we kind of get this idea... He talks about suffering, and then he kind of clarifies a few things in his suffering in a specific situation there that we were burdened beyond measure. That word burden there is like out of joint. It just completely threw them off. And above strength, that this was past their ability to deal with themselves. So it was outside of their capacity to to handle it. They were burdened completely out of joint by the situation, out of sorts, however you want to see it. They were just beyond measure and above strength, past their ability so that we despaired even of life. This is basically this above strength, past, uh, anything that they had ever experienced or had ability to deal with. You know, isn't it funny, though? We, we really try and do everything we can to not experience that. You know? I understand. But it's the very thing that God will use to continue to change your life, to shape and mold you. You know, right on the... That's what it sounds like. when We throw a piece of clay onto a potting wheel. And then you just start shaping a mold. And then all of a sudden, you think it looks great. I've watched, I had a good friend of mine that was a potter. Now, I used to go pick his, his uh, coal pile because he'd throw stuff and wouldn't always bust. I've still got a coffee mug in my house that didn't, didn't quite, it didn't make his grade, but man, I thought it was great. I love that thing. But you know, the, the potter is in the, in the potter's mind, sees something and starts shaping it. And then they see something's not quite right and man, you're thinking, oh, that looks awesome. You know, that's what it sounds like when you squash it back down again. But just, just destroy it. Want it all back up. You see, we don't like that when God does that to us. We think, oh, it's just going great. everything." and then back to this little ball of clay again. And then, but see, he's the potter. We are what? The clay. We belong to him. He can do as he likes. He knows what he wants. He knows what he's wanting to make out of you and me. He has something in his mind's eye, he's the potter. The implication's wonderful, isn't it? Of what his mind's eye might be for you and me, what he's wanting to do and to shape and to mold us. Well, man, past anything that they'd ever experienced or ability to deal with, it was outside of their scope, they're out of joint, they're they're just distraught over this circumstance. They were burdened beyond measure, above strength. Sometimes we feel that way. Don't you feel that way sometimes? Like even just trying to sort out situations. And I, I, I don't know where to go with this, God. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not clear on how you want to handle this. It's real. We live like that. That's the real life. Because real people have, there you go. Some of you catching on. Real people have real problems, man. You know, but God knows that we're real people. God knows that we have real problems and God's given us hope and help in his son, Jesus Christ. He says that we even despaired of life, even of life. Now, there's a difference between to despair of life, meaning that I'm just, Lord, next time they get rocks and start throwing them at me, let them finish it up. Maybe. Maybe. But it's not the idea that, oh, I'm going to despair and I want to take my own life. That's not what Paul's talking about. It's not a license for that. Our times, the Bible said, the psalmist wrote, are in his hand. That is the seasons of life when it says times. That's in God's hands. God has a number for your days and a number for my days. And so be it. We need to let God be in charge of what God's in charge of. But they were that distraught over it. Maybe we may even lose our lives because of this circumstance. You know, that they were just despaired to that point. Yes, verse 9, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. It says, yep, it seemed like that was going to be the outcome And he says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. This is our hope. We're not going to trust in ourselves. You see, it's kind of interesting. Do you know what the percentage, the death rate is for humans? Yep, it's 100%. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. We don't want to talk about that. I understand. Gosh, Pastor, this is Sunday morning. You don't need to be so morbid. But I mean, it's just a simple fact. The death rate for human beings is 100%. So the idea here being implied, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. We Certainly not. We can't add anything to our life in that sense but in God who raises the dead. You see, we're born with that sentence. But what's interesting is, spiritually, we can be redeemed. We can be forgiven. We can be given everlasting life because of the finished work of the cross. That's radical. That's wonderful. He says, our hope is in God who raises the dead. That's our hope. Verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Isn't that amazing how Paul is a smart guy, man, the way he uses words like that. Notice what he says. Who delivered. It's a past tense. God delivered from so great a death and does deliver us and is in the present deliverer. He is in the present, he is our deliverer. He delivered us and presently, he is our deliverer. No matter what the circumstance in whom we trust that he will still ultimately deliver us. Future, past, present, future. He is our deliverer. All in one verse. I love it. All in one verse, past, present, future, he's our deliverer. Whatever the circumstance was, and I I think it's important once in a while to reflect back and remember from whence we've came. I was thinking this morning about going through, when we went through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and as we had done that on Wednesday nights fairly recently. And as we had gone through that, one of the things, once we got into Exodus... And after the exodus had taken place, you remember how they were delivered. The people were delivered. God's people were delivered. But he repetitively, over and over again, he made mention of that deliverance. And he reminded them that God, he, God, had delivered them from the bondage they were in in Egypt. That's so important to remember God is our deliverer. Now, is he just your deliverer or is it possible that he might be able to deliver somebody else? You see, isn't that powerful? That's encouraging. He's delivering you from whatever your circumstances are. He will deliver you in the future. And it may not be exactly the way you want it all to go, but God will be faithful. There are those that have been delivered from the bondage of this tent, these bodies. They've gone to be with the Lord. God did deliver them and put them right where they belong in eternity. And we should be thankful for that. God is a great, powerful deliverer. You know, it's a perfect, finished work. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God started this work in your life, and he'll be faithful to complete it. He will deliver. Always, consistently, he will deliver. He's still delivering us. You also, helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons in our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Now, direct implication is about Titus had gone, you remember, delivered the letter, with some instructions within that letter that he was to gather up an offering. Remember that he was going to take, ultimately, to Judea, to Jerusalem. He was going to take it there. Paul was going to go with them, and whoever their delegates were, whatever they wanted to do, to send some people with them, because the church in Jerusalem was suffering greatly. He says, hey, this is a great way to bridge the gap between the Jewish, the Messianic believers— And the Gentile church, Paul had a heart to bridge that gap between them because there's a little bit of uh, uncertainty and and difficulty in that, and he wanted to bridge that gap. It was a simple thing. He said, here's a way that we can show our love for them and, and just a practical way to help them and minister to them. And so no doubt he's talking about that gift that they were going to be taking. But I also want you to note that I think it's important that they were partners in prayer. In the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the sufferings, there's something proactive that you and I can do for ourselves and for one another. We can pray. We can get it into the presence of God. We have a faithful high priest who's acquainted with our griefs and sufferings. We've got a high priest that knows us, knows the design, knows what you're going through. He has been tested, just like the testings and the trials that you and I go through, and yet he is perfect. And so he knows what you feel. He knows the struggle, and yet he also knows the victory that can be yours in him. You also, helping together in prayer for us, I like that. Helping together. Helping together. I like the fact that the guys, they were so concerned about their friend. And they climbed up on the roof. Jesus was in town. He was at this house and he's talking with some, some, a group of people. But it was just packed. They couldn't, their friend was kind of on a stretcher and they, 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 they knew if he could just, they could just get him in front of Jesus, that Jesus would be able to heal him and help this guy. They were so desperate for their friend to be made right, for their friend to be okay, that they got up on this roof and they started pulling away some of the thatching and some of the, the mud and thatch that was on the roof. And they started pulling it away because there was such a crowd, they couldn't get their friend through into the presence of the Lord. But they were relentless, the Bible tells us to keep praying, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. Be diligent, stay with it, stay with it. Persistence, persistence, persistence. It's so important. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. If you're praying and someone's come to know the Lord. We've got people in our gatherings that have come to know the Lord very recently. Danny, we're still praying for you every every Tuesday morning, man. We're praying for you, brother that you would just stay with it, man. I know it's not easy. I know it's a hard course, but God's got a purpose and a plan for your life, and he didn't save you for nothing. He saved you because he wants to use your life for his honor and his glory, man. And, and we're praying for one another. We gotta keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Don't just, well, you know, hey, God bless you. You know, glad you're saved now. You know what I mean? I mean, now all hell's gonna break loose in their life. Some of you are going through horrible things. Some of your marriages are coming unraveled, and you're scared to tell anybody because of your own foolish pride. Brothers and sisters, it's time to repent from that. It's time. We're not going to move forward that way. It doesn't happen that way. It's about being honest. If you're messed up, you're messed up. I don't care if you're 90 years old and messed up or 15 and messed up. If you're messed up or anything in between. If you're messed up, you're messed up. We need God. I need God every day. I know how messed up I am. I need God every day. God, help me. Help me to walk with you. Help me to see your ways. I am telling you, that's a plea from my heart. Every day when I wake up, Lord, please help me. Really, I want to walk with you. I want to please you. And I know in and of myself, no good thing dwells. I know that but you're there and I trust you, God. Praying for one another, praying for others. We don't wanna stop just because we think, oh, well, and put it into autopilot or cruise control. That's when stuff starts going really bad. At least that's my experience. Paul says, you also helping together in prayer for us. Helping together. They pulled the roof apart and they lowered. You didn't think I was gonna get back to that story, did you? You thought I went all ADD on you, but that's not true. I'm back with you, and I'm on task. You know, so pulled the roof apart, and they lowered their friend in because they love their friend. Don't grow weary in praying for your friends and family that don't know Jesus. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. I know as God's word goes out, it accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. And I know that sometimes we hear a message like today's message and the Lord really starts to tug on our hearts. And if God's tugging on your heart and you've not been walking with the Lord and you wanna get close with the Lord or you wanna start a new life with Jesus, it's just a simple prayer away. You know, Jesus said for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, without the Lord, we're already perishing. We're perishing in our sin. We need a Savior, we need help. And you know, I I know you know that, I know you're hearing that, I know you're sensing that, and this is your opportunity to call out to the Lord and ask Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. So I'm not talking about being religious, I'm talking about having a relationship Getting to know someone by introduction and so this is an introduction, I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus and he wants to make himself real to you. He loves you, he loves this world and he loves you personally. He knows how many hairs you have on your head or how few you have. He knows what color they are, he knows the color of your eyes, he knows how tall you are, he knows everything about you. The Bible says that he loves you with a perfect love. And he wants you to believe on him and have everlasting life that you can spend all eternity with him. If you would just pray this simple prayer of faith with me, Jesus, I wanna open up my heart to you. Lord, I wanna have everlasting life. I wanna ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I humble myself before you, Lord. I know I need you. I know that I've fallen short and sinned in many ways in many areas of my life, and so I ask that you would just come in and make my life new. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for everlasting life that now is mine in you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might walk with you and have life abundant. I ask this
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area, so You may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Come, Lord
1: Jesus, come.